Tyler Smith here with another More Than One Lesson mini So This is number 57. We are uh, continuing our coverage of the best pictures. And last time, two weeks ago, we talked about Bruce Beresford's Driving Miss Daisy. This uh, week, we will be discussing Barry Levinson's Rain Man. But before we do that, I'm going to welcome in my co-host, Josh Long. Josh. Hi. How you doing? Doing all right. I haven't seen you in so long. I know. It's been a while. We're recording this right after the other one. I don't, yeah, I don't, I know. I don't have the I'm energy. Sick. We're both sick of each yeah. other. Um, but then I just glance over my adorable cat. And Makes everything better. better. Uh, I will say, as I mentioned uh, two weeks ago, and I would have been probably last week, which we haven't recorded yet. Um I will be going in April. I will be going to the International Christian Film Festival. Um, I I don't think I'm I don't think I'm going to be seeing any movies. Unfortunately, I think I'm going to be manning the booth. More than one lesson will have a vendors table amongst very few. Much to my surprise, I assumed that there would be this big floor of vendors, and that it really wouldn't be worth my time or money. As it turns out, there's going to be between six and ten, and so uh, there's, I assume that there will be a fair amount of foot traffic, and I'm very excited about it. I'm excited to get the word out to a Christian audience, specifically, um, and a Christian audience that theoretically enjoys films and at least want they are looking for spiritual themes in films so i'm very excited about it um and uh, the last couple of weeks we've been asking for donations what i will say is uh it's not ready now but in the next few weeks be on the lookout because we are actually going to record a bonus episode of more than one lesson we do not yet know what it will be about uh, but we're going to be recording that and putting that out for you to purchase. And this will be a way for us to uh, try to recoup some of the costs of going to the International Christian Film Festival and a way for you to, you know, just get another episode uh, that I'm sure you will love. But uh, so, yeah, be on the lookout for that. And in the meantime, if you felt like uh, donating, uh, you're welcome to do so. If you want to wait for that bonus episode, totally understandable. But uh, any donations, and and when the time comes, any anybody who buys the bonus episode, it will be uh, greatly appreciated by me. So, okay. I welcomed you in already, right? You did. Okay. I'm getting the episodes mixed up. Nah, that's all right. So, you, had, okay. you, you had the spiel about uh, about the ICFF. I want to make sure you got that all in. ICFF, wanna, thank you. Didn't want to interrupt. Um, so, okay. We, la- okay, so last time we talked about... Uh, Driving Miss Daisy, but we also talked about 1989 and just talked about the 80s in general mm-hmm. as, all right, it's what is the tone of the 80s? And it's upbeat. Things are looking, you know, uh, I'm walking on sunshine, <laughs> um, except for 1986 in which the uh, platoon. But um, mm-hmm. but everything else is heartwarming. Relax. What, what? I, I said relax. That's another feeling that comes from uh, the That's, music and the. Uh, I guess so, yeah. 
trying to think of other like songs that kind of were from then and have that I know I know feel. very little about 80s music. I wish I, you know. Is, isn't Don't Worry Be Happy that, from then? That is that is the 80s song, yes. <laughs> Walking on Sunshine's pretty up there That's too. That's pretty, yeah. But um yeah, like I only know the artists that I like who started in the 70s and mm-hmm. I'm aware of what they did in the 80s and it's like, "Oh, the 80s is when Tom Waits got really weird." Yeah. He stopped doing the jazz blues thing and decided, "I want to do like how can I make my music sound like German theater? How's that? Can I do that? Um, <laughs> People like my music, but they're always saying it's not Brechty enough. Ex- oh, abs- very much so. <laughs> and so, um, so yeah, that's what I associate with uh, with the eighties as far as music. Beach Boys, right? They did music in the well. 80s. They did Kokomo, which is they probably sure their did. worst song ever. But it does feature but, one of my favorite lyrics. We'll get there fast, and then we'll take it slow. That, that's not bad. That's where we want to go. Yeah down in Kokomo. You know, it's funny. I remember hearing that song when I was a kid. You know, everybody has heard that song oh, yeah. at some point. And then I got more into the Beach Boys, especially in the last few years, yeah. and was listening to them a lot more. And then when I heard that song again after not her hearing it for a long time, it was like, ooh, this is a departure I do not enjoy. <laughs> see, and that's the thing is like, I, because you're more into them than I am, you see it as a departure. Me, of course, God Only Knows is one of the best songs of yeah. all time. Uh, and a lot of the other songs, uh, like on Pet Sounds that I've heard, are yeah. very good. But the minute they start singing about surfing, which under- is understandable, <laughs> they're on the beach, and they're boys. Boys love surfing, yeah. especially on the beach. Yeah. Um, that was a dumb thing I just said. I'm <laughs> sorry. Uh, like, once they go into that, I'm like, you've now entered into what I would venture to say is a uh, niche niche music <laughs> yeah. which is well, surfing which yeah. i don't care about and that's the thing they they more start there and then kind of grow into stuff like pet sounds and the smile yeah. album which are great and i enjoy the earlier stuff too but i understand i you know at the same time can accept it's just musically not as not as high quality yeah. and it's, i i got their very first album for christmas there's some real fun stuff on there but there are a few there's one song i swear it's about drinking root beer <laughs> i'm not kidding like i listened to it's called it's called Chug a Lug. <laughs> so I didn't know and that I this know existed. You, and look, I know you love root beer. <laughs> Boy, you're do not I. Sure, yeah, but yeah, but I don't know if I don't uh, know if I love it enough to sing a song about it. Yeah. To, <laughs> sorry, hang on. You might love it enough to sing a song about. That's it. true, and the song to would be write like, one to, to write one and record it for yes. the rest of the world yeah. to hear. To have a guy at a soundboard master the song. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not worth your time. Root beer's good. It's no, uh, it's no Jolt Cola. It's no, it's no tequila. I say that because of the song tequila. I'm trying to think of oh, other okay. drinks that have songs named after. Oddly them. enough, I just I jumped to Tequila Sunrise. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. There's two songs named after it. Kind That's of true. Well, I suppose. Uh, okay. Anyway, I feel like this is what's going to happen <laughs> almost every year we talk about the '80s uh, because. I don't know. I Well, you brought up... Sorry. I wanted to throw this out there and see what you think. This is a larger conversation. I was hoping to keep this episode short because we're not talking about the 80s, but here we are again. And maybe this is unfair of me. The 70s was a wonderful artistic decade. Movies, TV, music, the whole deal. Um, I feel like the 90s was a pretty good decade for art. 80s you get some great there are some great movies Mm -hmm. but i feel like the ratio of great memorable films that people that shaped the way we look at movies like from the 70s to the 80s it's like 10 to 1 
Yeah. Um, and I feel, I, I kind of feel like that with music, like the music that came out of the eighties. Mm hmm. Uh, I tended not to like that much. And then, yeah. you know, and again, like I, I said last time, um, there was some good TV, but even then, I mean, you know, you got stuff like, yes, you had mash, you had cheers, but you also had Alf and small wonder mm-hmm. <laughs> and small out of wonder. this world. Whew, I forgot about small wonder. Oh boy. And so, um, so that's the, thing. I don't like to be dismissive of an entire decade, especially when some wonderful films do come out of it. Uh, but by and large, I feel like the eighties is just not a great decade artistically. It, it doesn't feel like it. No, I feel the same way. Like, uh, all the things that you think of that kind of, uh, kind of, uh, epitomize the eighties are almost the things we don't like. I mean, we yeah. think of the hair, we think of the fashion, we think yeah. of cheesy TV, small wonder, things like that. Yeah. We think of, uh, uh, we think of sort of like silly techno music and some pop stuff that, yeah. I mean, new wave. I'm not a huge fan of new wave. What I, I've heard. I like some new wave talking heads is new wave. You like that? Yeah, I guess that's true. But new wave can, can cover a lot of bases. So yeah. it's hard to say whether it's hard to just say, I like new wave. Cause <laughs> that's probably I, lots of it. You don't like Devo's not really new wave, but they're, undeniably 80s yeah and that's i do true. kind of enjoy them i feel like devo is just devo that's the only way you can. that's true <laughs> you know how in itunes it has like a category next to it yeah. there should just be devo yeah. you go to the record store uh where's the where would i find devo talk? oh it's in our devo section <laughs> it's under devo um but yeah no i i feel the same way even like when i try and think of art that comes out of there what's what's the first thing you think of for the 80s yeah oh i feel like you're you're you mean like visual art? Yeah. All I think of is a lot of squiggly, colorful lines. <laughs> That's true. I feel, like, uh, I feel like the all I'm thinking of is the opening credit sequence of Saved by the Bell. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what are you thinking of? I think the first thing I think of is I think it's Patrick Nagel is the guy's name. Okay. He does all those uh, paintings of people with totally white faces that you see at nail salons. Oh, yeah. That's okay, like got it. so there 80s. It like if you think of... Uh, yeah. Uh, of 80s art that's that's the first there thing i think of yeah huh? it's on the front of that uh duran duran album the, bar- so the barber shop i go to still has like a couple magazines with those on the cover yeah these have been around a while yeah i know um yeah it's uh so it's hard to say why exactly that is like i let me ask you this a, a word popped into my mind when i was thinking of, of the images that you just showed me but also mm-hmm. maybe of just the the just the decade in general vapid is that a way to describe the 80s <laughs> i don't artistically uh, I, I again obviously we're not talking about every single thing that was produced in the 80s there yeah. was some amazing art produced in the 80s mm-hmm. but as a decade it just seems almost like like a black hole just a vapid black hole it's yeah i don't know and i i've sometimes wondered if maybe it's just that time was such a uh it was such a comfortable time to be an American. Mm-hmm. Like Americans were, uh, 
in many ways enjoying a standard of living that I don't, I don't know if we even enjoy now. Right. Um, certainly a level of, uh, security. I mean, it was, I think it was during the eighties that it was like the cold war's not over yet, but we're winning yes. and it's obvious that we're winning. Yes. And even though there are movies like red dawn, I don't think anyone really believed that Russia was ever going to try to, you know, do something to the U S at that point. Well, they they put all their apart. money into that boxing program to put together <laughs> Ivan Drago. And that didn't I, look, that's what happened. He did well against, uh, Oh shoot. Apollo Creed. He did well against <laughs> Apollo he Creed and he, and you know, Apollo was wearing the stars and stripes. My, what hope did we have? <laughs> the Italian stallion. <laughs> exactly. But like, and, and then like, I feel like those are the times that you think of the Americans winning every single medal at the Olympics yeah. or at least beating the Russian, uh, hockey team, which was yeah. a huge deal. Um, so I don't know. I feel like in terms of, the the financial place that we were in the the uh, um what's the word i'm thinking of uh just like being able to have things not the not economic the, not the materialism or the economic necessarily but just the maybe standard of living sure. it was a it was a high standard of living for most people um and it wasn't something where we felt like we were under the threat of uh of international yeah uh, you know and it was a president that, and I, I recognize Reagan was not perfect by any stretch. He had some major flaws that mm-hmm. people since then, and even the, even at the time were very aware of, but people had faith in him. Yeah. He, and he instilled after that. coming off of Nixon, Ford and Carter. Yeah. You know, and just, yeah. and even, even LBJ who, who got us into Vietnam and before, before him was JFK who was killed. Yeah. You know, like but, I feel like this is the first time people actually kind of had faith in their leaders again. I, no, I think so. I think before Reagan, I think JFK is the last president that that gave people confidence in being an American, you know? Yeah. And um so I think there's something in that too. Now at the same time, there's always, you know, a counterculture movement to everything. Right. And honestly, I think some of the better art comes out of the counterculture movement, even if I disagree with oh, the, sure. the, uh, uh, the thought or the ideology behind a lot of the, yeah, the, the punk movement, uh, in the eighties yeah. is something that I actually like quite a yeah. bit. The punk movement is good. I think a lot of the, uh, some of the movies that we think of, or maybe that I think of at least of being the best ones from the eighties are some that, that dwell more on kind of the dystopian future. Oh, sure. And, um, that I think is a reaction against what people saw as corporate America and materialism and, and, uh, what they felt like Reagan represented. Yeah. I do feel like despite Ridley Scott having made alien and already making a visual mark that was very anti-corporate and all that, I feel like Blade Runner could not have been made in any other decade. Yeah. Yeah. And it wouldn't, and, and I don't think it would have had the power. Yeah. Um, or Robocop for that matter. Oh, absolutely. So there, there are a lot of, uh, and, it, was a good, and, it was a good decade for sci-fi. It was. In general, Brazil. Yeah, um, yeah. Although Brazil kind of is, well, if you're speaking about that ideology, I feel like Brazil is maybe coming out from uh, problems in Britain at the same time. And I feel oh, like sure. that's more uh, an overarching government that seems evil, evil rather than some kind of combination between right. the uh, corporate government machine or whatever. But uh, I, I was going to say earlier, I feel like there's kind of a division in in uh, at least film and maybe you could say in all art where you got like the safe happy stuff mm-hmm. or you got sort of the dark uh, naysayer doom type stuff yeah and i think that stuff is some of the better art and maybe that uh 
comes out of that adversity, like I was saying. Yeah. And so we have not said a single thing about Rain Man so far, but it is in the I don't know of, if we've even said Rain Man. That's the, I think that's I did it doing. within the first 10 seconds <laughs> okay. of talking, and then that was it. Um, yeah, uh, in the midst of all of this, like all of the stuff that we've said and, the, you know, what we've said, the the really great – and we have the benefit of hindsight, of course. Mm-hmm. But um, the great art to come out of the 80s, when you look at that – the Academy could not look more out of touch. White bread. White bread. <laughs> just completely, and I, one could say inconsequential. Now, of mm-hmm. course, that's not true. Yeah. Because, as, I, as we talked about with Driving Miss Daisy, and of course, uh, this, this time with Rain Man, the movies that win are movies that are big financial successes. Yeah. So people do want to see them. Yeah. But... But of course, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're great, right. um, nor that they're going to be the memorable films. But and I feel like almost every year in the '80s, you look at what won Best Picture, and then you can pick one or two others that were nominated or maybe even not that are so clearly the better film or the more memorable film or the more impactful film. Yeah, and you can do that with the Oscars in general. But not, but maybe not as consistently from one year to the other. Yeah, and I Whereas feel like the eighties. I think it's mostly all yeah. the way through. I mean, even if you look back at the seventies, like look at the winners. You got stuff like The Godfather that was yeah. huge. You've got stuff like Rocky that was huge. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of movies then that were the big movies that are the memorable. Right. Movies. It's like oh, Chinatown didn't win. What did? Oh, Godfather, Godfather Part two. two. All right. Fair <laughs> it's enough. like a lot of the times the one the great movies that were quote unquote snubbed were snubbed yeah. by movies that are just as good if not better. Yeah, and just like yes, a Clockwork Orange didn't win. But but it it lost to the French Connection, a film that doesn't seem like best picture material yeah. at all. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was very it, the seventies were like that. In the nineties, I mean, you had stuff like Braveheart, English Patient, Titanic, but you also had stuff like and Forrest Gump. Nineties kind of sim, a similar mentality, but you also had, as we talked about once again before, Silence of the Lambs, Unforgiven, mm-hmm. stuff like American Beauty, and yeah, the nineties feels like it's 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 moving its way out of that thing from the eighties because there yeah. are. I think probably as a whole, and we talked about this, there are still a lot of safe, comfortable ones, but there are little things here and there that are pushing the envelope a little bit more. And I think we really get into that um, in after maybe after nine eleven. I mean, not to go back to the probably yeah. the obvious thing, but but that adversity thing comes back in. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, Rain Man, a film that I first saw in high school, loved it. My parents were big fans of it. Um, I don't remember exactly how old i was but i watched it really responded to it uh when you go back and watch it now uh just okay so one picture actor director and original screenplay i will say that in a screenwriting class that i took we did read the uh, the actual screenplay and it is horrible (laughs) horrible i'm getting loud now because i want to really emphasize how terrible the original screenplay for rain man is really the the character of Raymond, the you know the Dustin Hoffman character, that character and the way, the way he's written and the way he's played was was devised by Dustin Hoffman and uh, Barry Levinson. Hmm. That it, that character written that way is not found in that script at all. Really, instead, it's a much more cloying, adorable, cuddly type of character who you know it makes you wonder like one of the things that i do appreciate about rain man is how 
mostly impenetrable they make the character mm. like there's a part where just as where you know uh you know tom cruise and dustin hoffman like tom cruise is trying to teach him how to dance and it, and and you yourself are feeling like oh this is great and tom cruise is feeling like that and he goes to hug him and raymond screams <laughs> and in that moment it's a reminder it's like you're only ever going to be you're only ever going to get to be so close to this guy. And that's right. something I like about the film. Yeah. That script, there's nothing. I mean, that script just welcomes you in and says, look at how adorable this guy is. It's, it is awful. Hmm. And it won best original screenplay, not because of the script, but because of what, like, I cannot think of a, I was so happy we read that script. Really? Because you come to realize just how much a director can do hmm. yeah. with a script and yeah. an actor. Yeah. Um, and it's just, I don't know, like, I don't know if, if Barry Levinson read the script and, and wanted to make the film or if he was assigned to it or something like yeah. that. But either way, he and Dustin Hoffman seem to look at this and say, like, we can't do anything with this character. <laughs> so what are we going to do? We're just going to change it. Yeah. And so that's um, interesting. Yeah. Anyway, I didn't I wasn't anticipating going off on that tirade. <laughs> I kind of forgot about it until I remembered that it won original screenplay. Yeah. Which it should not have. Yeah. Um. But the film is still actually very, I think it's very powerful as far as story arc. Um, and as far as the acting, I think the acting is really great. Yeah. Um, and while, while Dustin Hoffman is doing a really great job, and I think, I mean, he's a movie star. Oh, yeah. Who sheds all of everything that makes him a movie star. He sheds all of that to play this character. Yeah. And he never winks at you and lets you in a little bit to say, like, look at what I'm doing. It's pretty amazing. He never does that. He just is that character. Take him or leave him. And I really respect that. Um, but I but I think the real MVP of the film is Tom Cruise, hmm. who he has the arc. He is the lead. Yeah, he's the one who has has to change. He's He yeah. has to be the dynamic character. Yeah. And kind of a foil to Raymond. Yeah. And I think he does a really wonderful job. And, um, Amy Nicholson, uh, film critic who's been on uh, BP several times. Uh, she wrote a book about Tom Cruise and we were talking about, uh, rain man and that it was risky for Tom Cruise to do this film. It was and a risky business to get into. Watch out. But then he was the, uh, top gun. You know why? Cause he had all the right moves, <laughs> um, the outsiders. So, um, <laughs> But that he, I mean, after Top Gun and, and, you know, movies we just referenced, mm -hmm. um, he could have been a certain type of movie star, yeah. but he wanted to be an actor. Yeah. So he worked that with Martin Scorsese something. in Color of Money. He wanted to be in, you know, he was in Rain Man. He was in Born on the Fourth of July for which he got an Oscar nomination. Yeah. Like he, there's a certain lack of vanity in what he's doing as well, especially because his character's in color of money and rain man are very unlikable. Yeah. And he manages to, and especially in this, he manages to take the, he plays every moment of that character arc. And I always believe it because it's a very standard thing, which is this guy who's really selfish. He encounters this, uh, sort of a, an immovable object that he happens to be related to. And he mm -hmm. learns to love him, even though there's only so much that you'll be able to love. Yeah. And he learns to be selfless, mm -hmm. super cheesy, super obvious. In the hands of the wrong actor, it would seem super cheesy and super obvious. But Tom Cruise does a great job. Mm -hmm. As much as much press as Dustin Hoffman gets and deserves, it is unfortunate that Tom Cruise is completely overshadowed. I think it's much like you've talked before about uh, about a good straight man. How a good straight oh, yeah. man can be as important, if not more important, than the 
you know, the Costello. Yeah. Which one's which? I always forget. Yes. Luke yeah. Costello is the silly yeah. one. Bud Abbott was um, the straight man. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's, I, I think that's the same kind of principle applies here. So. People notice the, uh, showy's the wrong word, but maybe the more obviously challenging performance. Yeah. I guess you could say that. Yeah. The yeah. more, yeah, it's like you can see all the stuff. Again, you can't see the strings, which is a phrase I've used before. Right. It's not that, but everything is on the surface. Everything mm-hmm. Dustin Hoffman doing is on the surface. Yeah, and we know what he's doing because we know he's Dustin Hoffman. Exactly. We know he's not like this. Yeah. Whereas Tom Cruise, it's it can actually be harder. To me, this is the difference. Uh, okay, so in 2004 and five, Jamie Foxx won Best Actor for playing uh, Ray Charles. Ray Liotta. Ray, that's right. <laughs> oh, now there's an Oscar winning performance. That biopic was a stretch. <laughs> um, but uh, in the year after, Joaquin Phoenix was nominated for playing Johnny Cash. I think Joaquin Phoenix is infinitely better. And of course, the two films are very similar mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, and they came out within a year of each other. And, and I think Joaquin Phoenix was infinitely better because he started at the inside at the emotional core and figured out how am I going to get this character where he needs to go organically and then started layering on accent and, and the bravado that Johnny cash is. Yeah. Um, and, and his, his, uh, his impression is not as spot on as Jamie Foxx's, yeah. but as a character, he feels a lot more real. Yeah. Whereas Jamie Foxx, I think he started at the out, on the outside and worked his way in and probably didn't go that deep. Yeah. Because it's a great impression. Jamie Foxx started in comedy. He did impressions. And he did it and he did them very well. And I think he realized and the Academy Award it rewarded him for this that if I just play all these things instead of an actual character with an arc, then I'll get an I'll, I'll get an Oscar. And he did. And Dustin Hoffman did, you know, even though I think, you know, again, there's not much emotionally to that character that you can play. But in the same way, I feel like having to replicate emotion and having to show a character grow organically is without without having to do an accent or without having to rely on a specific kind of wardrobe or makeup. It's remarkably difficult to do. And Tom Cruise does it smashingly. Yeah. So, uh, the film was also nominated for cinematography, art direction, editing, and original score. I don't understand that art direction one. Um, Hmm. like, I mean, I guess they're in an institution at one point and then they do go to Vegas. So maybe they, you know, dressed up the room or something like that. I wonder if it's something that we just don't know about it. That's like, a. You know, one of those things that everyone would have been talking about in Hollywood yeah. at the same time. Like, maybe they weren't allowed to shoot in casinos, so they created an entire casino maybe. or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's but true. I, that's true. I, I don't know. I From what I know of the movie and from having seen it, I, there's nothing in it that would stick out to me yeah. in terms of our direction. And maybe that's the idea, you know. Hmm. Um, so, uh, as far as the film itself, uh, so I've been talking a lot about it. What do you think of Rain Man? When's the last time you saw it? It's been a while since I've seen it. I might have seen it in college. It might have been. Mm-hmm. I might have seen it since then. I'm not positive. But uh, I remember having a positive, you know, having a positive reaction to it. I remember yeah. thinking, I think I do remember uh, Tom Cruise's performance coming out of it to me. And yeah. I, I was expecting he'd be kind of just the side character to Dustin Hoffman. He'd just be like a sidekick almost. But he's, I mean, he's he's more the main character of the film. Oh, absolutely. And um, it does seem somehow... It makes sense why Dustin Hoffman would win Best Actor. Yeah. I think he's 
a supporting character. The lead is Tom Cruise. If you want to look at it strictly, the character with the arc is the lead. Yeah. That's Tom Cruise. Yeah. By very definition, Dustin Hoffman's character will not have an arc. Yeah. He doesn't change. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, I'm not going to get upset about it. But, um, but so it's a film that you like and you remember it, oddly enough, more for Tom Cruise than anything else. Or, I mean, at least he jumped out at you. Yes. I remember thinking more of him than I expected I was going to in watching the film. And, um, you know, having coming to it that many years after it's been made, I, I think since then, I was trying to remember this. I think since then there have been more movies that have gotten Academy recognition that are some, uh, person with a, with a disability like that, mm-hmm. whether it be a mental disability or some kind of physical disability, like my left foot, which would come on the, ne- the next year. Right. I feel like that's more of kind of a type now, a, a type of movie. Oh yeah. I mean, and, you had Rain Man, Forrest Gump, Shine, yeah. I Am Sam, Sling Blade. I, like you had a lot of stuff. Like right. That. I feel like there have been a lot like that. And I, I can't think of a whole lot that happened before then. The only one that's immediately coming to my mind, and this wasn't even one that, well, there was a movie called Charlie. Oh yeah. Yeah. With Cliff Robertson who won he best was, actor. Was he supposed to be mentally retarded? What was the, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, then, was anybody ever play, ever nominated for playing Lenny from *Of Mice and Men*? <laughs> I don't think so. It's possible, but I'm, but even then, that would be like based off the book. That's yeah, less yeah. like here's a story about someone having to overcome the yeah yeah the this uh, disability that they have. Yeah. So I I think when I'm looking back at it through that lens, it it might not stand out as much as that type of movie, even though maybe it is an earlier example of that type of movie. Yeah. Um, cause we just see so many movies that have done the same thing. Yeah. Um, and maybe, you know, in the same way as like a movie does well at the box office. And so the studio wants to try and replicate that in the same way. This film won a bunch of Oscars, including best actor. I mm-hmm. think maybe it's an instance where actors saw, Oh, if I were to do this, yeah. Oh, there's not, you know what? Um, two years later, there's a movie called Awakenings, in which mm-hmm. Robert De Niro plays that type of thing. Hmm. Uh, a character who basically has been sort of not comatose, catatonic for a long time. Hmm. And then there's a treatment that brings him out of it, but he's still, he went into this yeah. as a kid. So now he's thinking like a kid. I think Birdie was before this too, maybe. I think that's a terrible movie. Which but... one is that? <sighs> My first thought was like, that, that Clint Eastwood film? No, that's Bird. No, it's... That's, that's the jazz film. Who's even in it? It's I think it's based on a play about a character in a... You know, Nicolas Cage is in it. It's Nicolas Cage and Crispin Glover. Oh, boy. Yeah. Crispin Glover plays a character who that's thinks... That's already that, the creepiest film I've ever heard. Crispin Glover, Crispin Glover plays a character who thinks that he is a bird and um, will not speak. Hmm. Yeah, that's... Oh, I'm sorry. It's Matthew Modine. My, my mistake. Ma- okay. Um, yeah, instead of Crispin that. Glover or instead, <laughs> instead of... Instead of Crispin Glo- Glover. Okay. So you've still got, still got your Nicolas Cage in yeah. there. Um, yeah. And there's, there's all this stuff about, like, Vietnam War, too. I think, like... Yeah. He's supposed to have uh, PTSD or something like that oh, after Vietnam War. I don't think that he, anybody was nominated in that one, although maybe I'm wrong. Uh, no, it's looking like no. Okay. Um... So, I mean, you had, uh, Sybil, Sybil was another film with, okay. uh, Sally Field as a character with multiple personalities. So, but even mm-hmm. then that's, that's okay. I apologize if this sounds, uh, insensitive. I don't mean for it to be inherently derogatory. Um, 
there's like crazy we've seen. And mm-hmm. when we think of multiple personalities, like we would say, oh, that person's crazy. Mm-hmm. When we look at, you never look at Forrest Gump and say, that guy's crazy. Yeah. Or Rain Man. You're right. Yeah. You wouldn't, you wouldn't say that. And so, um, so yeah, I think this is maybe one of the first instances of, you know, cause the, fir- the film made a lot of money and got a lot of Oscar prestige. And so I think a lot of studios and probably a lot of actors said, all right, if this is what I got to do, I'll do it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so yeah. And so maybe not unlike Jaws, uh, kicking off a very unfortunate trend as far as blockbusters <laughs> and even more specifically, uh, blockbusters about monsters, uh, or an- large animals eating people. Um, <laughs> Uh, Rain Man might be the, the film to point to and say, that's the one that got people, uh, that, you know, oh, you can blame the film radio. Do you know the one I'm talking <laughs> yes. about? Cuba Gooding Jr. You can blame radio on Rain Man. Yeah. So, you know, uh, but at the same time, that's not the film's fault. No, uh, and no. I'll say this once again, if they'd stuck with that original script, no one would be talking about Rain Man today, except yeah. maybe as in the same way they talk about radio. In the same way they talk about, was it Tiptoes? Oh boy, <laughs> Tiptoes! I remember. Oh boy, yeah. Uh, if, if you've everyone, never look up tip, tip, yeah, if tip you've toes. never heard of this film, yeah. look for the trailer. Watch it, the trailer. It seems like it can't be real. Oh it's my real. gosh! We, yeah, we should see that movie at some point. Oh. We'll have a double feature. We'll watch that in Saturn Three the Saturn same night. Three. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, Tiptoes sounds so astonishingly horrible and misguided. I mean, yeah. I'm sure it's funny, but I feel like I'll be so uncomfortable the whole time yeah. that I won't be able to laugh. Um, yeah. That said, you know, hey, we all make sacrifices. <laughs> um, but anyway, so, uh, so yeah, it's, I'll, I'll go back to this question. If somebody said, hey, I'm gonna, I want to watch Rain Man, I've never seen it, would you warn them away from it at all? No, I don't think so. I think I'd say it's good. To, it's, it's a, an enjoyable movie has some good yeah. character work in it. And I think it's one of those ones more than driving Miss Daisy, which we did last time. That is more of a cultural linchpin. Like everybody knows oh, what yeah. rain man is. Um, yeah. everybody knows like, like people make jokes about it and like someone being able to count oh. all the pennies that fall on the floor or something like that. Like that's a, that's a thing that everyone's familiar with. Well, like, okay. So did you ever watch the animated tick? Some you were some, some yeah. okay. There's a character named Sewer Urchin, who the the he's Rain Man. Like the voice is based on Rain. Man. He's like really? yeah, you know, like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And Judge like, Boffner, yeah, th- yeah, like definitely, you know, that whole thing. Yeah, and it's like that should tell you just now. The Tick always had something of a of a more adult sensibility, but it was still a Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah, and that should tell you just how pervasive Rain Man was. Yeah. Is that Four or five years later, they made a kids cartoon and he, that characterization worked its way into that. Right. It's a, it's a piece of popular culture. I think that might have even been a, maybe I'm creating this out of nothingness, but I feel like there might have been an episode of the Animaniacs at some point where they had, uh, Dustin Hoffman as Rain Man appear in and at some, at some point. But so yeah, I, I think even if you might not really enjoy the movie, I think it's such a part of culture that it's a, I think it's a good one to see. I think there are other films in the same way that I've seen. And I thought, well, this isn't a good movie, but everybody saw this movie. And there was some reason that everybody saw this movie. And it says, maybe it says something about the time or the culture. And I think once, uh, not unlike uh, Rocky or, or movies like Rocky, so it, which that admittedly had a bunch of sequels, but 
that's a film that people, they haven't seen it, but they know a lot about it. And then they kind of write it off as a result. But then when you watch Rocky, you think this is great. That's that was exactly my experience with watching Rocky is I'd heard about it for so long and I knew the silly sequels and things like that. And I knew it being parodied in, uh, in, uh, space balls. I'm talking about there being Rocky 5,000 and then getting ready to come out. Um, but, uh, but then when I actually saw it, I was like, this is, this is a genuinely good movie. Yeah. (laughs) I, I can't believe and that, I, I, that I'd never seen it. And I do think, I think Rocky's better than Rain Man, but I think Rain Man is one that I think a lot of people probably think they saw or think they got it. Yeah. And then if you watch it, I think you will, I think, that's the thing, we know about the character of Rain Man, but I think when you watch the film, you will probably be, maybe not blown away, but you'll be very impressed by Tom Cruise and just the relationship between these two brothers really comes through. And I think yeah. people will be surprised by how affected they were by it. Yeah. Um, okay, so the other Best Picture nominees, The Accidental Tourist, Dangerous Liaisons, Mississippi Burning, and Working Girl. Now, I've not seen Dangerous Liaisons. I've heard it's very good. I have seen the other three. Um, I've seen zero of these. Okay. Uh, Working Girl is a really, really great movie. It's a really solid comedy and one that is very much of the time. Hmm. Um, in a good way. Uh, Mississippi Burning is a very well-made film about... Uh, uh, a very unfortunate incident uh, in the South in the 1960s uh, in which some, uh, you know, activists were murdered and the FBI got involved and you basically had a, a huge uh, fight between the the Klan and the FBI. And it's a really interesting film. I, I like it a lot. Um, and then The Accidental Tourist is a – that's a I, – I do – I love that film. That's a William Hurt, right? Yeah. I do like William Hurt. And um, Gina Davis and Kathleen Turner. Gina Davis won an Oscar for it for supporting actress. That seems like such an eighties cast, doesn't it? Oh, sh- oh <laughs> like couldn't be more so. If somebody made a movie with that cast today, you'd be like, "What?" Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah, it's like broadcast news. Yeah, except yeah. Holly Hunter actually went on to you know be in, in more stuff. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, and so uh, but Accidental Tourist is a really nice drama comedy and one that I think does transcend the time in which it was made. And it, un- it unfortunately has been kind of forgotten and it deserves to be rediscovered because mm-hmm. um, there's a real melancholy to it, but also genuine humor that is earned. I really like The Accidental Tourist. I think it's great. Mm. So of the best picture. OK, so I guess I'm the only one talking about this, right? Yeah, I know. I guess so. Of the best picture nominees, uh, I think of those, I think I'm fine with Rain Man winning. I think I'd prefer personally, I'd prefer Accidental Tourist, um, but I'm fine with I'm fine with Rain Man, actually. However, when you get into larger, more the the notable 1988 releases, that's when we start to uh, that's when my love of Rain Man breaks down. Uh, not my love of it, but my you know me pushing for it for Best Picture. That goes away the minute I look at The Last Temptation of Christ. Yeah, which to me is one of the I think it's my favorite Scorsese film. It's one of the best movies of all time. I absolutely may uh, love it. I think it's an amazing achievement, and I think it's the best movie of that year. Yeah. That would be my vote. Yeah, I, I think I might I might say that same thing. And I wonder if this is one where, again, we're kind of getting into the history that maybe we don't know of the Oscars. But um, I know there was so much turmoil over that film's release. And oh, yeah. people were, like, cutting up theater screens so it couldn't be shown and things like that. So I wonder if that was just too controversial for... Probably. It was nominated yeah. for one Oscar. Uh, maybe Maybe a few, but, like, one really notable, which was director... Yeah. So it still did that. Yeah. But yeah, there is there is no real uh push behind it and that is unfortunate because that 
is a film that actually these days, I mean, people know about the film, but, um, and I think it's made a huge impact. Uh, but I don't know if it's the kind of film that people have see. I don't know if it's a film people seek out. Yeah. Like, you know, it's not Goodfellas. Right. People um, don't or, think or of anything it like, or, or do the right thing or, anything or, like or, or taxi driver even like yeah. it's funny that there are other, there are others of, uh, Martin Scorsese's that have become the ones that everyone talks about. But yeah. I don't know. I feel like because he's a filmmaker that's around and still working, I feel like people are starting to rediscover some of those old ones. I feel yeah. like I've heard so many people talking about King of comedy recently. It's wonderful. Yeah. Which I think is a fantastic film, but it is one that was like, I feel like nobody thought of that one uh, I think, five, ten years ago. I think people see the 80s as something of a dry spell for him. Yeah. That in between Raging Bull and Goodfellas, uh, he made this controversial Jesus film and New York, New York. And that's <laughs> yeah. it. You know, um, but he but yeah, he still turned out some some very good work in that yeah. time. Yeah. Um, so I feel like that would be the one that I that I would vote for. Yeah. Uh, over any of these others, but I'll, I'll list them. Cause that's the thing. 88 was a, it was a big year for movies. There's a lot of, uh, I'm going to list some movies and you've seen them. Yeah. Everyone has seen them. Who framed Roger rabbit, die hard, big, uh, a fish called, well, people haven't seen a fish called Wanda, but I love it. Uh, Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. I think coming to America is on that list too. Yeah, probably. Uh, bull Durham. I've never seen it, but I know a lot of people love it. I've never seen it, but I feel like I need to see it. You like baseball? In, well, I grew up in Durham. It, oh, yeah. It was filmed in the town where I grew up. That's true. I, mean, I haven't that's seen why, it yet. That's why I saw uh, The Best of Times, because uh, it takes place in Taft, California, where I'm from. What choice do I have? Well, now you need to see A Girl Walks Home Alone tonight, because I, I was shot in Taft, California. I know. I do want to see that, and it really... I. I'm deeply depressed by that fact. Um, <laughs> the fact that it's, it's renamed bad city for the film. <laughs> and then basically a, uh, modern, a, a modern day American city can pass for a, uh, a, uh, an a, a Iranian ghost town. Um, but, uh, and then I never saw the unbearable lightness of being. I've heard it's great. I've read the book. I've never seen the film, but now I read it recently. So I'd like to see the film now. Uh, I don't then, know much about Philip Kaufman in general. I don't know that I've seen any of his other films unless there's a big I saw one that I forgot Quills. is his. I saw... I seen that. Um, I believe he did... Oh, how is this? Kill, uh, the Right Stuff. I haven't seen that. Either. Oh, it's great. I love mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah, he's he's a very dependable... Oh, you know what? I think he might have done Henry in June. Oh, really? I think so. I wasn't a fan of Henry yeah, in June. Yeah, I didn't care for it. Hmm. But... Um, but yeah, and so, uh, but then even movies like Akira, which I've not actually seen. I've seen that one. Um, and I've, but that's a film that people point to in certain circles, point to and say, this is a really important film. I can see that as being influential because I honestly seeing that it's this old surprises me. I had forgotten that it was 88. Like, I feel yeah. like something like this would have been as kind of, I don't know. This seems like a film to me that came out later. Yeah. So it must have been. It does seem nineties. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, another film that I really love, and I'm not sure if you've seen it, but your best, your your boy, Max Boncito, is in it. Pell the Conqueror. Oh yeah, he was nominated for it. best actor for it, and it's uh, he's great in it. It's yeah. a really good movie. Um, but yeah, so it's a lot of great movies in '88. It's funny um, of those. Most of the ones that I have seen are the ones that are the the big ticket items, if you were the ones yeah. that everybody's seen, and at the same time, the kind that don't get nominated for best picture. Like exactly, Die Hard's a movie people are going to remember forever, but no one's going to nominate Die Hard for best picture. Right. Me, um, I'm just like 
I'm happy that Fish Called Wanda got the recognition it did. It was nominated for director. Yeah, yeah. One supporting actor yeah. for Kevin Klein, and I think it was up for a screenplay Oscar, as it should have been. Yeah. Um, and it's... Uh, it's rare that comedic actors get the Oscar, so it's yeah. always cool to see when that happens. Well, it's rare for a comedy to be up for something as, you know, something like director. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't going to be up for picture, not when you've got movies like these. But, um, but yeah, uh, so... As far as 88 and, and Rain Man, uh, it's, a, it's a very good movie. It deserves to be watched. Uh, best movie of that year, for me, hands down, is Last Temptation of Christ. Mm-hmm. That is not a film that you watch and say, all right, I guess that's Great. it. Check it off the list. Yeah. like It's a film that, one way, regardless of what you believe, uh, I feel like it's just a film that will affect you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like he made it, uh, Scorsese made it that way. It's yeah, not, not I would a agree. film that is easily forgotten. So, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, we will leave it there. The next film that we talk about, well, the next, the next best picture we talk about will probably be the one for 2014. Then after that will be, if I, th- that might be right. That might not, I'm not a hundred percent, but, um, but after that will be, um, the last emperor, mm-hmm. which I've never seen. And I'm, I'm very excited to watch. Um, I believe it's on criterion blu-ray, right? I think so. Do you own it? No. Shoot. Because I feel like that's a film that we I want to see. We can find someone who owns it, probably. Probably, yes. Or else you can... Yeah, I don't know. You can like, it steal it from a store? You could steal it from a store. Okay. But then give it back. Right, I'm not and You a could thief. say, I just, I just took it for art. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, for art. Okay, oh, well, here's some money. Um, and so, I hear you going to the International Christian Film Festival. <laughs> there you go. Um, but yeah, so that'll be the next one. And, uh, and... Yeah, I'm very excited to see uh, what I think of it, as I am excited to see what will win Best Picture for 2014. Should we make it'll a prediction? I think it'll be Boyhood. Boyhood. I, I, yeah, I won't be surprised if that's what it is. I think Boyhood is going to win Picture, Director, Editing, and Supporting Actress. Let's let's think of a category that's not a sure thing and predict it. Okay. Maybe Actor? Do you feel like Actor's a sure thing? It's between Keaton and Redmayne and... Both of them have an argument. My vote will be Keaton because he's the sentimental favorite. And he's good. Mm-hmm. He's very good. Yeah. But Eddie Redmayne, he's playing Stephen Hawking. Well, it's it's the same thing we were talking about during yeah. this episode. It's that character who overcomes uh, an adversity. Yeah. Or uh, a uh, disability. Both, I guess. Yeah. Th- this is this is actually kind of a boring Oscars. I mean, it's there's a lot of foregone conclusions. I'm trying to think about adapted screenplay. Uh, it's looking like the, I think the front runner right now is, uh, the imitation game, which, uh, that's disappointing to me because I think that's, that's what I liked least about the film was its script. So. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, this is going to be kind of a boring Oscars. And, uh, just to really top off the boring aspect of it, uh, the host will be Neil Patrick Harris and I'm sure he'll be fine, but the choice of him is such, uh, such an obvious thing hmm. because he'd, he'd hosted it several other things and people just think, uh, let's just go with this guy. Yeah, sure. Is he going to sing? He's probably going to sing. He's probably going to sing if I had to guess. Yes. It's, it's interesting. Like there really has been no, <laughs> it's much more interesting to talk about, uh, like, uh, the, uh, potential Oscar hosts than, mm-hmm. uh, than like any kind of nominees or, or who's going to win anything because there's no, there's no Billy Crystal anymore. Hmm. And I'm not necessarily except for Billy Crystal, <laughs> except for Billy Crystal, but he hasn't done it in a number of years and he probably no. won't come back. But you know, like Ellen did okay. John Stewart has done okay, but they're not going to bring them back. You know, what's weird to think about is that Bob Hope hosted it 
How many times do you know? I don't, but a it's, bunch. It's so many times that no one ever will do it that many times again. Right. And it's weird to think about that, that like there was a time when Bob Hope could do it like 20 times. It's something like that. It's yeah. some ridiculous number. And there's no one who's ever come close to that. And I can't picture that ever happening again. I can't picture it, anyone ever coming close to that number. Yeah. It's, I mean, when I look at, uh, when I look, I mean, Johnny Carson did it for a while yeah. and, and Billy Crystal, like it's just, and when I talk it over with, uh, you know, David or our friend Jason or something like that. And we talk, we talk about like what makes for a great Oscar host. Then there is an intangible quality yeah. to it. Oh yeah. And, uh, I don't know. Cause it needs to be somebody who's involved in entertainment, but not completely. Um, mm-hmm. but even then that doesn't work because Billy Crystal was a working actor, yeah. um, you know, who's a bankable star and all that kind of thing. So it's, it's very strange and yeah. I can't think of anybody. I, it's one of those things that like when you're thinking of, uh, when you're doing like a fantasy casting of a movie mm-hmm. and you're like, who would be good for this? Who would be good for this? And then you hit it and you're yeah. like, that's it. That's yeah. the only one. No one could ever do this well. Yeah. And, um, and I haven't hit it yet for the Oscars, but I'm sure at some point it will happen. Yeah, maybe. Because you also have to think in terms like, okay, who are popular comedians right now? Yeah, it has to be someone who's funny. But the, the you know, I don't know if we've had conversations on the show or not about how, uh, about the state of the comedy film and how it's kind of not exactly what it was before. And like, when you think of the people who are in the big comedy, like the big sellers for comedies, like, can you see Seth Rogen hosting the Oscars? No. I can't. Um, I can see Steve Carell hosting the Oscars. Maybe. Maybe. That's not... That's not too bad. Will Ferrell, maybe. Maybe, but even then, like, some of those people are too... Like, I feel like Will Ferrell, even though he does a lot of safer stuff, like, say, the Lego movie, yeah. his own brand of comedy is weird and and Also, he tends... Silly. He would, I feel like he would need to co-host it with somebody. Yeah, because every time he's... Because he, he appears on the Oscars every now and then, he'll pop yeah. up and do something, but he's always in character. Yeah, and, and just... And you need somebody to react to him. You can't yeah. have him standing there by himself. I feel kind of the same about Steve Carell, actually. Yeah. Um... I don't know. It's it's tough. And once you start going down this rabbit hole, you feel like, oh, my gosh, where does it end? Because you keep waiting. There's got to be that one that's just the sweet spot. It's like, ah, mm-hmm. oh. and you, and it's like, OK, no other nobody else need apply. Here we have it. It's funny. I, I could see almost a Bill Murray doing it. He, I feel like he comes closest to the, what I can think of as the Bob Hope. You know, like, yeah, he's been around for a while. He's part of the business. He's kind of silly. But He's still, Bill Murray just seems too far removed kind of from that. In Like, I, I don't think he'd do it. I don't think if they offered him, I don't right. think he'd do it. I think the, one of the big things that we talked about was you need a host that can make fun of the Oscars, but not, but not be dismissive of them. Right. Because when you have a host that is too biting, you get David Letterman or mm. Chevy Chase or Chris Rock people that they say like no 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 they so like somebody still needs they still need to like sort of buy into the importance of what's going on yeah like and I think Billy Crystal was very good at that like yeah. he was very ingratiating and all that and so you need some and that's the thing Bill Murray I think would be so insincere uh, <laughs> and, and unless maybe so fun of the Oscars I thought Steve Martin when he hosted did pretty well I think that's um, a pretty good pick but he hasn't yeah. he hasn't done it that much yeah and I don't know it's again I'm just waiting for just the right just the right one to kick in. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not, uh, not happening yet, but I think it, you know, I'm waiting and it'll happen. Don't you worry. But anyway, and, uh, listeners, if you have any thoughts on who would make a great Oscar host, uh, feel Just free email to the Academy. No comment in the 
comment oh, on this true. post. I that, want that. that. More will come of you commenting in the post than will come from you emailing the academy. That is probably true, yes. So, okay. Um, all right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Josh, thanks for being here. You're welcome. And we'll get you next time.